0: Well, this morning we're going to continue and finish our series on security, and it's been a strong series. We've had a lot of good feedback on it, and I pray that uh, it has encouraged, it has edified, it has lifted you up, it has challenged you, but more than anything, it has caused you to engage with God that our examination of security in a very uncertain time or insecure time can be what? It can be strengthened because of the Lord. And so many times we hear that, but we don't know how to translate it. And so that's what really was the impetus of doing this sermon series is how do we, in reality, take God's Word, His promises to us, apply it in our lives to very real-world situations? And so that's what this series has been about, and it's been tremendous. It's been challenging for me to teach, and today is no exception. So turn to Psalm 40 as we begin. This has been our theme passage, and if for uh, nothing else over the, pa- the, the past six weeks, it's been great for you to get introduced and to have such a familiarity with Psalm 40. Right? And uh, I have to tell you, as I was praying over uh, my time of instruction and encouragement and edification uh, while I was down there during the worship time, I was thinking of Psalm 40, and I, I saw Sony over here down in the pit, and I was relating to Psalm 40, and the Lord pulled him out of the pit and rested him back into his seat over there. No, sometimes you extrapolate this stuff way too much. So, but let's get into it, and let's look and see what the Lord has for us. Uh, Let's go before him and ask him to instruct our hearts this morning. Father, you are... The essence, the very essence of wisdom. Lord, you know the hearts through your spirit. Your spirit talks to you, and yet your spirit knows our spirit. Your spirit knows the different hurts, needs, joys that are in the room and on those or those that are viewing today you know so father i ask as your servant that you go beyond you transcend what i say you speak to the hearts and minds of those listening even so much that you work beyond whatever the words are to speak to the incredible needs wounds challenges of each person listening today or whenever they might tune in. This you can do. So I ask as your humble servant, fulfill your promise. Speak boldly to our hearts. Reclaim territory that's been taken away. Replace rumor with truth. To you be all glory, Father. Amen. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in in the Lord. Amen. Today, our sermon title, big drum roll. Oh, wait, we don't have a drummer, so you have to do it. Financial security. Yes, I'll be sending lots of mail to you today um, that will arrive at your house about how many 0% credit cards you can get. I'll be calling you and inundating you with all the opportunities for debt reduction I will promise you the world. Are you fed up with all the, all the uh, empty promises that keep getting laid out to us? The challenges that we face when it comes to our finances, it affects everybody. So whether the, you're the youngest person in the room or whether you're the most experienced person in the room this affects all of us and some of you i i i was praying over this moment throughout the week as i was preparing some of you you're listening you're saying oh my goodness the pastor's going to talk about money i promise you i'm not going to talk about giving to the church at all so relax get your hearts open And listen to what the word of God has to share with us about how we no longer have to be slaves to our finances. Amen? 30 pieces of silver can do much in the right hands. What a statement to start with. It's interesting, this week I found out some fascinating information Uh, how many of you are familiar with NFT? It's hard to keep up with all this, right? Bitcoin, um, cyber money, whatever you want to call it. How many of you have heard about the latest craze on this called NFT? Non-fungible tokens, right? So the way that this works apparently, and I was listening to a radio show this past week on the way in, and I heard about it. And, and you got the two old guys, my age, right, that are so old that, that they know that all of this new stuff is a threat to their oldness. And, and so every once in a while, when they get into a subject like this, they defer to their younger um, uh, individual that's actually the producer of the show, and his name is Sean. And so they teased this bit by saying that, you know, tune in at the next moment where you hear how Sean hit it big on NFT. And they have been cynics, right? They've been get-off-my-lawn guy uh, the past month about NFT. So what NFT is, is it has to do with, for instance, this individual, Sean, got in on a lottery. And 100,000 people were allowed to apply into this lottery so that only 30,000 qualified to purchase a packet. And the way that you could relate to this is it's like going out and buying, now here's, here's the old guy, right? Going out and buying baseball cards in a packet. You remember that part, right? We can kind of relate to that. And you would buy a packet of Topps baseball cards and they would come in, in cellophane. Sometimes like you could never see what was in there it was it was uh, reflective cellophane, right? And so there was always the anticipation that you'd get ten cards, you might get one good card, right? Anybody relate to this? Anybody do this growing up? So that's exactly what this individual, Sean, was bidding on. Except it's something you don't ever put in your hands. It's it's non fungible. <laughs> There's a new term for you. So. Apparently, what it is, is it's, it's graphic art, and what he was bidding on <laughs> were, were GIFs, or GIFs for some of you that haven't grown up yet, right? It's GIFs of 10-second 10 sec- 10 video clips of individuals doing like a sports thing, like Norm Nixon doing a layup. And then it's codified as one of only, and it's 10 seconds of Norm Nixon doing a layup, and you own that video clip. Nobody else can own that video clip. And so he got in, 30,000 out of 100,000, he got to buy a packet of 10 gifts for $200. And he was able to take one not so completely obscure gift of some average basketball player making a pass and he sold it for $2,000. And that's why all of this stuff is so popular is because people are saying I can flip this and make a ton of crazy money. But doesn't it sound ludicrous to you? If I pitch that to you as something to invest in, how many of you are investing? Like on the front end, not when all this crazy, as a matter of fact, I just saw something last night where a guy, now, I I don't like to get crude, but I just want to show you how frivolous this is and how ludicrous this is when it comes to financial security. So there's an individual who made, I don't know, 100, Signs, digital signs that just said fart. That's it. So the way they market it is this guy's selling farts on the Internet. And he codified each one to a number, and he made $85 selling the word fart. This is where we have arrived, folks. Folks. And we wonder why, now I I paint that picture for you to show where society is. And some of you are getting really nervous because you know, I know you've invested in some of this. I will not rat you out, I promise. But this tells a deeper story. It tells the deeper story of how we either pursue financial security or why we are financially insecure because we're in this constant need of trying to get to a point of having enough money that we're happy to have enough money that we're happy. And so that's where we start today. Turn in your scriptures if you will to Mark 8:36 and this is our key verse this morning. As my tablet is looking for me. There we go. Mark eight thirty six. Jesus himself says these words. For what does it profit a man to what? To gain the whole world and forfeit his soul. This is our launch point today, folks. Is that we spend so much time, and you'll, you'll see a video at the end of my sermon. We spend so much time thinking about money, or working for money, or striving for financial security, which makes sense that it consumes us. And in some ways, our lives are stolen away from us, and in some ways, we make great decisions, and we make incredible things happen, legacy things, and on some levels, we have life stolen away from us. And so today, we want to look at this idea that through Christ, We can have financial security if we recalibrate how we think, if we recalibrate. And I'm going to give you three things to consider when mapping your financial security. But we've got to start with this concept that Jesus gives us when he says, well, when Mark records his statements, when he says the following, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? You are inundated on a daily basis as a consumer, not a person, a consumer, to buy this, to invest in that. I've heard about stories in back alleys here at the church about Bitcoin and how to jump in on it. I hope we're having back alley stories about what Scripture says in our lives. Amen? It wasn't loud enough through your masks. <laughs> All right. So, number one, this morning, here, here are three things to consider when mapping your financial security. Number one, dependency. Dependency. So, when we think about why we spend what we spend and when we spend it, ask yourself this question Is it because of dependency? How many of us have ever been in jobs that we hate, but we don't quit because we have what? We have dependency. How many of us invest and have to spend so much on medical issues because we're dependent on medical care? Right? Now, I'm not casting any kind of of sense of appropriateness or right or wrong. The reality is we have dependency on these things. How many of you have had dependency on coffee already today? (laughs) Right? Now some of us, I'm not going to mention any names, spent way too much on coffee today. And I probably should be more prayerful about how much I'm giving to a green little mermaid. Because she doesn't need all that money. And if I'm really smart about it, even if I have a dependency on the coffee, we have a coffee maker right at the house that can make me a nice cup of coffee for about 85 cents. Dependency, it's a reality. Think in in this concept, right? The source of your dependency directly forecasts your financial security. What is meant by that? The source of your dependency directly forecasts your financial security. So if I put myself into an addictive pattern of certain coffee, you hear the parable in the background, right? Coffee is our safe addiction to talk about. If I put myself into a pattern of dependency on coffee, it directly affects if I add it up at the end of the month how much I'm spending right? There's that relationship. Whatever I put myself into dependency to, there will be, to a certain extent, a financial cost. The reality is, what is the worth, risk versus reward on this? And there is much for us to think about when it comes to 30 30 pieces of silver that they can do much in the right hands, Financial security is fickle and subjective. Dependency is its benefactor and executioner. Let me say that one more time. Financial security is fickle and subjective. What do I mean by that? Have you ever met an individual who has very little financial resource, but they're completely secure in it? They do not want for much and yet you can see somebody who has so much, and we know how much they make a year, and yet it's never enough. That's what it means that financial security is fickle and subjective. Dependency is its benefactor and executioner. There are many that have a dependency on others to help them. Amen? And if the church fails to act like Christ, we are not fulfilling either of these banners. And it's not about fulfilling the banner. It's it's about fulfilling the scripture. It's about fulfilling what Jesus asked. There is a dependency by those around us that can be fulfilled through Christ, working through his what? His church, his people. So when I say financial security is fickle and subjective, dependency is its benefactor and executioner. We face these challenges whenever we see somebody asking for money outside of a 7-Eleven or at a left turn, right? That we either have to choose to ignore or to fulfill. And I'm here to tell you that there are those who are charlatans, and who are working it. You all know that, and yet there are those who are in desperate need. One of the things I love about what our care ministry is doing is that they're putting that ability, that power, you're going to hear that at the next point, they put that power into our fingertips with these blessing bags. So as we come across someone, whether in that kind of a situation or someone that we come across at a store or or wherever, at a park, that we have the resource to help someone who's dependent on others because they don't have the financial security. I love that our care ministry is putting that in our hands. I love how our church uses the gift cards to take the resources that God has provided here and help those who have, we have a a dependency In Christ, and Christ motivates us to provide for the least of these or anybody in dependency. And in doing so in multiple ways, whether you take them to lunch, whether you counsel with them, whether you pray for them, whether you give them the shirt off your back, whatever it is, you are doing that which Christ has asked us to do in order to provide for those who are dependent. So do you see how this is important to the whole understanding and construct of financial security? Start with dependency. Well, what is it you're going to depend on? I refer to George Mueller. George Mueller was what? Was dependent on the Lord. George Mueller uh, was just an average individual who has become famous because God did amazing incredible, magnanimous things in his life as he cared for the orphans in England in the 19th century. Coming out of a plague, does that sound familiar? You know, hopefully we're coming out of a plague of sorts, and yet we know that there are many people around us who are dependent because their resources, their financial security has been what? It's been stripped away. George Mueller saw a need and he believed in the promises of God. And when God was done using George in a very unique way, a very humble, unassuming, small in stature individual had, I think it was close to 12 dormitories for the orphans of England where they were cared for every day. He never asked for a dime and yet was able to build 12 of these things that would look like the Marriott in comparison, not on the inside. But as far as the the size and structure of the building, and the thousands, tens of thousands of children, and when you think about those children being cared for, think about the legacy of their children, remembering what God did through an individual who never asked for a dime. He just believed in the promises of God. His dependency wasn't on fundraising, 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 which you would think is the case. Now, I'm not saying that we don't need to do that in a practical way. But the Lord used certain individuals to speak up on behalf. And there's a story where they had no food for the orphans on one particular day, so they just prayed. And the kids were sitting at the tables. And there was nothing in front of them. And all of a sudden, there was a knock on the door after they prayed. Being dependent on God to satisfy their tremendous need. It was a milkman who had gotten turned around, misinterpreted what was going on. I don't understand. Maybe he was on his phone and the navigation sent him to the wrong spot. I don't know. But he ended up at their door and he said, I have a whole wagon of milk that's going to spoil Could you use it?" Over and over and over, George Mueller saw those kinds of resources come to him because he put his dependency in something bigger than what he could do. Folks, this is where we're heading today. How do we deal with financial security? Some of us have been really wise with our investments and we're doing really well. Some of us have worked hard. Some of us have worked hard and yet we've had things happen in our lives, medical situations, uh, tragedies that can instantly bankrupt us. George Mueller depended, depended on the promises of God and saw incredible things happen because of that dependency. Not dependency on man, not dependency on his own bank accounts, not dependency on the things of men, but ultimately the dependency on the promises of God. Moving on, let me take you to Scripture. Many of you know this story about the feeding that happened, right? That they're preaching, Jesus is preaching for hours and hours and days and days, and the Lord became worried That's not the right word. The Lord recognized the need of the people, that they were unwilling to leave even to eat, and he recognizes their dependency for food was catching up quickly, and they were going to have a problem, because you're talking about thousands of people. And so Jesus turns to the disciples and says, what are your resources? Well, we've got, you know, we got some fish. And we got these loaves of bread. That's what we've got. And he had them sit the people down, and he had the disciples serve the individuals. And you know the story. Let's read the scripture. And they all ate and were what? Satisfied. They went to the buffet of Jesus. (laughs) Right? They all ate and were satisfied. How many of you have arrived at someone's house and you saw... The portions that were being served, you're like, oh, I'm going to have to go out afterwards. I'm going to have to hit up McDonald's on the way home, right? There was none of that. There was no, hey, man, we're going to have to hit St. Peter's Fish Grotto on the way back to to Bethesda. As a matter of fact, what's it say? It, 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 It says, and they took up seven baskets full of broken pieces left over. What a beautiful picture of the dependency on the Lord and his ability to provide. Now, I'm going to be as honest as I can throughout this message because many of us have called on those promises and you're still struggling. There is a reality to that. We're going to address that. So the next point is power. Power? Are you serious, pastor? I thought power was evil. Um, is God powerful? Absolutely, he's powerful. Is grace powerful? Is mercy powerful? Is prayer powerful? Yes. But men seeking to wield power over each other is often what? Evil. It is amazing what 30 pieces of silver can do in the right hands. So when we think about power, think in these terms. Money is leverage, Leverage is power. Good and evil leverage money for their purpose. All right? So let me me explain this uh, as we move through. Money gives you power to choose actions of good or evil. Do you realize that? I'm still trying to learn this concept that when, when I have leftover money Right? When I have leftover money, then I'm going to consider what, what God has for me to do with, with the money He's given me. No, I have the power to say, What? Let's start right with the full purse strings ready to go. I have the power to make that choice. Not when there's leftover, but like right at the beginning with all that God's given me, I have the power to make choices for good or evil in how to use the resource God has blessed me with. Isn't that amazing? God gives you that power? Now, some of you are like, well, but the government takes away that power every April 15th. I get it. I get it. There's challenges, but just one of these days, rather than complain about taxes, why don't we make out a list of all the things taxes pay for? that we're, we're benefactors too, right? We should probably do that every once in a while as an honest, healthy exercise. Let me give you an example of this. Many of you have probably seen the movie Schindler's List. Oskar Schindler was a member of the Nazi party. As a matter of fact, he ended up in jail in Czechoslovakia for, for spying as part of the Nazi party. He is the only member of the Nazi party, according to the reference work I did on this, that is buried in a Jewish cemetery as an honor. I've been to that grave. It's on the side of Mount Zion. And if you see the end of the movie, you see them stacking stones on that grave. And the day that I was blessed to visit, their stones even to this day, as an honor to what Oscar Schindler did. And what Oscar Schindler did is he created an aspect of power as a businessman. And his former relations with the SS became apparent that he could talk with and bribe those SS members he knew to approve moving his factory into another place and keeping his factory workers under the guise of economy and what's best for Germany, but he had to pay for each one of those workers. And at the end of of World War II, he had spent his entire fortune. He was done. He had spent every dollar to save those individuals. As a matter of fact at the end of the war, he had no money to live off of, and it was through uh, charity groups of of Jewish uh, charities that he was supported and cared for. And interestingly enough, he and his wife later in life moved to Argentina and tried to give a, a go at multiple businesses. They never worked. Now think about it as a businessman who was highly successful, highly profitable, And from that point forward, you can't make it. Every venture you try fails, especially after all you had done. But isn't it fascinating that early on, his ability to make a profit and his previous evil connections actually gave him the power and the ability to save individuals, but it cost him everything. And think about an individual like that who had been highly successful, and every business he starts after that fails. And he became dependent on the very people he saved. What a fascinating story. But see, the thing that we take away from Oscar Schindler is that he had the power because of where he had been, right? He had the power because where he had been, and then because of a change in his heart about these individuals, he took his power of his money and his position. And for people that were incredibly dependent on him, there was no other way to save those individuals than through Oscar Schindler. This is a typology of what Jesus does for us. Does that make sense? Jesus taught that our resources have varied value. Jesus taught that our resources have varied value and they're valued in many ways. What does that mean when it comes to power? Let's look at it. So you see my statement that's up there over and over, 30 pieces of silver can do much in the right hands. Isn't it fascinating? You know, most of you probably know what I'm talking about, right? For what amount of money did Judas betray Jesus into the hands of the high priest? 30 pieces of silver. So we see in Matthew 26, and I'm just, I just have 8 through 9 listed, but if you look at the total story in Matthew 26, Jesus is in a house of Simon the leper in Bethany, up on the Mount of Olives, on the back end of Mount of Olives. And one of his disciples, it doesn't play real well, does it? I'll, I'll let you try to figure that out. Come up to me afterwards and ask me what I'm, what I'm talking about. The mystery of it all. Breaks this very expensive jar of perfume and anoints Jesus' feet. Now what scripture tells us is what? And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, why this waste? How many of us have said that about what the church does and what the church spends its money on? Over and over and over, we say, and, and maybe it has, now you're, you might be thinking from a top down level, right? And, and, and that can apply. But I, I think in a larger perspective, right? How many have been critical if you actually gave money to someone who you think is just going to waste it? But let me ask this, did Jesus die on the cross only for those who choose to understand the full value of the price paid for them? Or did Jesus die for everyone, even those who would mock, even those who would spit, even those who who would revile him? Jesus died on the cross for all. So there may be moments in my life where someone may be asking in and I have the power to help them. Right? That I may say I don't think so because this is just wasting grace. Right? What is it the church spends its money on? How do we go about doing that? I would encourage you consider what Christ did on the cross And it cost him everything next time you contemplate that. Now, I'm also telling you that there are moments where it's not good. Right? You know individuals in your family that are dependent on you. Right? Maybe a brother or sister who just can't get their stuff figured out. And the worst thing would be to just give them money. That's empowering them for what? For evil. And so what happens Jesus flips the scales because the disciples were saying what? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. That's the right thing to do. Jesus in the story says, no, she gets it. I'm only with you for a little bit longer. And exalting God with your possessions is a worthy approach. Yes, caring for the poor is what the Father and I and the Spirit are about, but also using your resources to exalt and worship? Yes. So Jesus teaches us a valuable lesson here about the power of money or resource, right? Jesus taught the disciples that our resources have value in many ways, Because he says something that seems antithetical. He says, you will always have the poor, but you will not always have me. Now, if any of us said that at our birthday party, you know, no, don't give to this, you know, fundraiser I'm doing for cancer victims. Give to me because you may not always have me. That's not going to go over real well, but that's kind of tantamount to what Jesus is saying here. Guess what? Jesus gets to claim that because he's worthy of it. And he has the ability to care for the poor in other ways. Have you ever been part of that? That suddenly you had a need and others had the resource and you thought going to that resource would provide for you and it just blockaded, it shut down. But God provided it through a different way and a different avenue. God is always at work. Always at work around us. So when it comes to financial security, understand that power... You have the power, I have the power to utilize what God has given us and that it is limitless based off of who Jesus is. The next passage says this, Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind. And he brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and to the elders. The fascinating idea here is that Judas was so upset, by the way, Go back to chapter 26, all the disciples were bent sideways that she broke the the perfume over Jesus' feet. But Judas let it take root in his heart, and he went and said, how can I leverage this to get what? His whole thing about the jar of perfume was about money. So isn't it ironic? No, it's not ironic at all that he would seek To get money by betraying Jesus because he felt betrayed by Jesus. Because he had the wrong understanding of who Jesus is. Does that sound familiar in the lives around us? So much of the time we make irrational choices and we end up financially insecure because we make a move out of spite. We make a move because we think we have the power to do it. The reality is, Judas marched back in, realizing that he made a really foolish move and throws the money at the priests. That money had the power to buy the potter's field. It was a serious amount of money. It had the power to convince Judas to be labeled a betrayer for history. Money has power and influence. And we need to recognize that. It can be used for good, such as anointing the Lord's feet. Worship, exaltation. It can be used for evil, such as betrayal to the Lord. The last point today is legacy. Legacy. Financial security reaches our homes, hands, and heritage. What do I mean by that? Well, usually when we think about financial security, we're thinking about just paying our electric bill, right? Uh, We're thinking about the medical bills that are bankrupting us sometimes. We're thinking about uh, government assistance sometimes. We're thinking about our insurance. We're thinking about... How does it affect, we're thinking about gas prices at the pump. I've had seven people in the past 48 hours talk to me about gas prices at the pump. We think about our homes. My question to you is this. You want financial security, think about how Jesus is not limited. He is unlimited. We will always have those challenges in our life, and what we take from Christ, what we take from scripture, or even someone like Oscar Schindler, who at one moment had enough money to save 1,200 people, and later in life, he can't find success to save his nose. There was no financial security for him. The rest of his days, he had to be dependent on others. We don't like that to a certain extent, but what a beautiful, when you back away and you look at the whole story, what a beautiful reciprocation, isn't it? What a beautiful reciprocation that God provided for Oscar Schindler. In our own homes, we want financial security, we beg for it. So, how are we handling that? How are we dealing with it? Scripture is not quiet about money. As a matter of fact, I've heard it said over and over that it actually speaks more about money than any other subject. I think that's a little overstating it. But it is not quiet on money because of how money affects our entire life. How many choices do you make in your spiritual life based off of financial security or insecurity? Right? How many choices do we make in our homes based off of financial security or insecurity? And this is the reality. This is the real stuff. When you got to pay the bills and the bills are falling short and you don't know what to do, and yet you want to provide for your family, you want to care for your family, you want to have longevity with what's going on, and, and how do you make these decisions? There is a legacy to financial security. Let me just encourage you, one of the best things, parents, you can teach your kids is magnify the lord when it comes to financial security make decisions that shows god's hand at work through his promises and magnify it so they learn as well as you learning that god provides in season and out of season amen and sometimes it's going to come through the work of your own hands your own effort your own home Sometimes it's going to come through other people. My family has been the benefactor of this. And we've also been able to bless others. There is a give and take always. And when suddenly something horrendous happens like a pandemic, our lives are thrown into the mix. At any moment, we may be on the top of financial security and it can be stripped away Because of something much larger than us. Well, I need something much larger than that to help me through. Amen? And that's who God is. That's who God is. He is worthy of our trust. What about our hands? Why did I say hands? Because today, whether it's the cash going out through my hands, or whether it's me entering my PIN code somewhere, In order for my money to transfer anywhere, it goes through my hands. So I'm going to give you a little application for life. Every time you use your hands to disperse the dependency and the power and the privilege of the resource God has given you, you prayerfully exalt him and consider what he has given to you and dedicate those expenditures, those blessings or those curses, and trust in him. Every time it passes through your hands, whether you're punching in a code, my code is no, I'm not telling you. <laughs> I want financial security. Let's look at these last verses in closing. 1 Corinthians 3:12 through 13. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, resources, right? How many of you are like really into Bitcoin? Don't raise your hand. But you know, the hesitation towards Bitcoin is it's not real, it's not fungible, right? So there's a lot of us that, are, no, let me make this even easier. How many of you even resist using the bank card? Like, you only like to deal in cold, hard cash. You're one of those people, right? And you've got, like, a whole bunker of water, bottled water, hidden somewhere. And, <laughs> and you already have your Wolverine's T-shirt for, for when the attack comes. You're ready to go. Right? The cash-only people. And now you're worried because you hear rumors we're going to a cashless society so the man can control everybody, Right? The man doesn't get to control God. God controls man. So when it says, now if anybody builds on the foundation with gold, and the foundation is Jesus Christ, with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifested. In other words, whatever you use that power or that dependency that God has given you in resource, it doesn't have to be money, it can just be resource. Resource right? The worship team is a great demonstration of this. Brian, Alan are a great demonstration of this. Rich and Trish, great great demonstration of this. But I will pick on Justin, Rich, and Cindy. Because earlier this year, we had a brilliant event called Meet to Meet. I don't know who came up with that, but they should patent it. And so we had three incredible barbecue aficionados slave over their hot Traeger grills for five to six hours, and we were the benefactors, and it created a dependency in me to kiss up to those three individuals the rest of my life, to make sure that I did not go without and have food insecurity... They shared their resource of knowledge and love for barbecue with the rest of the body. It's not always through money. Sometimes it's praying for somebody. Sometimes it's being available to listen to somebody. Sometimes it's giving incredible counsel. I cannot tell you how many, and I'm not going to mention this person's name because I've already done it too much. I've ostracized myself with half the audience today. But this individual wouldn't want me to tell you this, but some of you are going to know who I'm speaking to. They have spent countless hours with individuals because they're, they're personally invested and passionate about financial security for people so it doesn't dominate their lives. And they have spent hours upon hours upon hours at no charge to any of these individuals that they're talking with to help them not be under the crucible of debt. So they can have financial security. And they're bringing their wisdom and their expertise to that. Brothers and sisters, when it comes to our legacy, there's so much that God has given you and me that we can use to help individuals not be under that crucible, not let that, those 30 pieces of silver be used for evil. So it says this, each one's work will be manifest for the day we'll disclose it because it will what? it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. With the resources God gives you, here it is, with the resources God gives you, there will be a moment before the Lord when you stand before him and you heard me quote this passage last week about the parable of the towns. What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do And Paul says, there will be a day when everything you've been given will be tested. And if it survives the test of fire, that doesn't mean a literal fire, but take those elements that we put our trust into, our security into, wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, put all those through fire, what happens? They melt, they extinguish, they burn up. We learned a valuable lesson with that in my household this week when somebody stuck a hot dog wrapped in, completely wrapped, let me just be really clear, completely wrapped in aluminum foil, along with napkins, into the microwave. And, and I had, any of you seen that 1984 Wonder Woman? Like, all the colors of the spectrum from that show were coming out of my microwave. And... Uh, it was, it was fun, let me just say that. Your works, your resources, what you do with the security that God has placed in your life will be put through fire and tested, he says. What will show for it? You want financial security, ultimately that's what you're looking for, is the legacy of what do you, how do you use what God has given you, Amen? Luke 15, 11 through 12, and he said there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me a share of property that's coming to me, and he divided his property among them. You know the story, the story of the prodigal son, right? And it all starts off with what we hear in our society over and over. Give me what I have coming. I deserve, so give it to me now. And what, what ends up to this, in this person's life? They spend it on ridiculous things. They spend it on themselves and their own satisfaction, things that will pass away, nothing of lasting value. There is no legacy other than this individual ending up to a point where they were financially insecure and desperately dependent on the Father. Kind of a good lesson to learn, but one that we would love to avoid if we could, amen? This morning, consider your financial security rests in Jesus, the one who has no limitations in how he can provide for you. Re-evalu- reevaluate your financial security that it's not just connected to the bottom line of what's in your bank account, but recognize how God is working in, through, and around you to his glory. And your dependency being on him can far outreach anything you have purchase power for. And then consider what is the legacy of what you're spending money on. Because we have the beautiful opportunity. Beautiful opportunity. And this is a great, great statement at the end. James 5 1 through 4. I'm going to have you read that on your own. It's a great statement on this issue of, again, evaluating your legacy what happens with that, but I want to finish with this. 30 pieces of silver fulfilled a prophecy. We probably look at this idea of the 30 pieces of silver for Judas is as a pejorative in the story, and yet it fulfilled a prophecy. It had to happen. It leveraged a disciple, which is bad. The power of money caused a disciple in his bitterness to do something he vastly regretted later on. That's the power of money. But you know what's fascinating is it secured our salvation. If Judas doesn't betray Jesus into the hands of the high priest, right, it had to happen. It was part of the story. So even out of the ashes, even out of the ugliness, God can make the incredible happen. So wherever you are right now in your financial security, I encourage you, remember who God is. Remember how he gives and supplies beyond the norms. And remember, if you are financially secure right now, be responsible with the legacy of what you're building and know that it can be taken away in a moment. Understand, for those of us that struggle with financial security, God can flip that on its head in a moment as well. But he's the same God regardless of our circumstances. Amen? In closing, remember, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. I have a video to help you understand a little bit more of this and how money impacts us and where the security truly comes from in life is the Lord. Uh, Dr. Locklear put out a video uh, years ago, and we've heard it over and over called That's My King. You probably haven't heard this version of it. So, let's roll that.
1: The pocketbook says, my money is the key to happiness. It's the key to power. It's the key to peace. It's the key to success. It's the key to capitalism. It's the key to producing purpose. And it's the key to finding love. That's my money. I wonder, do you know it? My money is a supreme money. No debased deceiver can debunk its buying power. It puts bread on the table. It makes me feel stable. It's the core of consumerism. It is beyond criticism. It has no euphemisms. Do you know it? It wakes me up in the morning, and it keeps me up at night. It is the reward that I hoard. It dictates my day. It divides my attention. It's the big Benjamin. It's the cherished cheese. It's the green gravy. It's the lean lettuce. I wonder if you know it today. It has motivated every great person in all of mankind. It is incorruptible. It is indestructible. It is the translation of technology. It is the prescription of the powerful. It makes my heart appease. And it's the only thing that puts me at ease. Do I want more of it? Yes, please. I wish I could describe it to you, yes. It's uncomfortable. It's uncontrollable. You can't get it out of your mind. You can't get it without demand. Without it, you can't get by. You can't buy without it. The world can't function without it, and it lasts for all eternity. Yes, yes, <laughs> that's my money. Go ahead and clap your hand if you need to, cause that's my money. That's my money.
0: Now, you may be a bit confused. What Dr. Locklear is trying to point out is how we make money our God, right? You heard it. Statements he put out that should be attributed properly to who God is in our life is what we do with money. And he's begging the listener to course correct. So we truly can have financial security.